Where is the river of God taking us? All of us in RVA know very well about the James River. It runs through our city. It's been the lifeblood of this whole region for centuries. Some of you know that Ginger and I enjoy that river on our kayaks. As Richmonders, the river is part of our existence. Some of us live on this side. Some of us live on the south side. Many of us cross the river each day, maybe sometimes several times during the day. The river rises and falls according to the weather and the rains. It flows strongly to the east and joins with other rivers and goes into the bay and to the Atlantic Ocean. The river can be a place of extraordinary beauty and it can be a place of great harm and danger. And maybe we get so used to the river and its presence right in the middle of Richmond that we don't even pay attention to it. We forget about it. But this is not a geographical question and it's not a nautical question. It's a theological question. Where is the river of God taking us? Whenever we come into this sacred space, this wonderful sanctuary, we link our lives together and we link our lives with all those who've come before us. We come to worship. We come to sing and pray. We come to build community. We come to deepen faith. We come to increase our capacity to live and serve God in the world. As one poet put it, we come to church. We come to this church not to find God. We come to church to share God. We come to share in God's worship and work. We come to be connected to God and to one another, to strengthen our shared commitments, serving in the city and in the world. We come to be more compassionate as God's people. Today is rally day. It's like the first day of the year. In some ways, the, the restart of programs, the refreshment for energy in the, as we move into the year with church school going again, the choir is back in the loft, we have increased numbers, we have second Sunday lunch kicking off today, we have many other things taking place. There was a mission re council retreat yesterday, we have a capital campaign going on, we have meetings and initiatives getting going again. We have increasing efforts in so many areas of the church's life. As we continue our Word of the Week sermon series, the word of this week, as you heard from Ginger, is explore. We want, in this place, at this time of year, again, as we link our lives, as we grow in faith and discipleship, as we increase compassion and commitment, we want to explore. Eyes, ears, hearts, all open. Explore God. Explore community. Explore conversations that deepen our insights and deepen our understandings. This is what we're about here. We want to explore our doubts and explore important questions. We want to explore what the Bible says and how the Bible is speaking to our hearts and speaking to our complicated times. We want to explore music and sense God's spirit at work. We want to explore mission. Mission in the city and in the world. 
explore seems to be a good word as we launch into this new year as God's people, as we seek to grow in love and in service, move from membership to discipleship. We are less about telling each other what to believe here. We are more about inviting each other into deeper and more meaningful connections to God and to one another and to serving God in the world. We are less about giving answers. We are more about opening energy, opening possibilities and what it looks like to trust God with our very lives and serve God today and tomorrow and the next day, which gives us a focus, which gives us an orientation. How do we live, especially in complicated, controversial, chaotic times explore that's what we want to be about we're less about certainty we're more about exploring God together and what it means to follow Jesus this is what we do here as God's people we're building on a rich and wonderful history in this place and we're moving into God's wonderful and a promising future in faith and love and in service when I did some research into this word explore It didn't really surprise me that this word is rarely used in the Bible. In our first lesson from Deuteronomy 1, which Steve read so well, we have one of the few times when explore appears in the text. The context of these words is really important, and here's some background. The people have been very much claimed by God in God's loving covenant. God will be their God. And the people will be God's people. The people have seen various successes in the earlier pages before Deuteronomy 1 with Abraham and Sarah. Various successes and various failures with Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel. God's people have also spent several generations as slaves in Egypt. And then God has called Moses to lead the people out of slavery, out of Egypt, and through the wilderness and to the promised land, which God would deliver to them. That's the promise. Moses has led the people to this place right on the edge of the promised land. But Moses is not going into the land. In fact, he offers them a blessing and he encourages them to choose some leaders among them who are going to lead them into the land. So they said, as you heard in the text, let us send some folks ahead to explore what it's like in this land. Explore what's in store for us. And so they did. They sent folks out, and the report from the explorers came back. It's a good land that the Lord our God is giving to us. You know well what often happens. There's the report, and then there's the interpretation or the digestion of the report, the hearing of the report. How is it heard? How is it received? The the report says it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But then the report gets interpreted as the results of the exploring and they get discussed, they get shared, they get passed around. And then, and then, well, the grumbling starts and the fears grow. 
and the doubts emerge once again. It's like that Dennis the Menace cartoon that appeared in the paper this very week. If you read the comic pages, you might have seen this. Dennis the Menace is absolutely covered with mud. You can hardly recognize him. There's filth everywhere, and he's walking up the steps to his house, in his house, and his mother turns to his father and says, Do you want to bathe Dennis? Or do you want to clean out the tub after the bath? So, you see, you have the situation, and then you have the interpretation of the situation and the fallout from the situation. The situation for God's people is really promising. The Lord has given us a good land. That's the report that they get back, but but there are giants in the land, and the cities are as high as the heavens, And they're very fortified, and these things give new fears and doubts and generate a kind of scary perspective, and all this has to be dealt with. Exploring can be scary. Wouldn't it be better to go back and just be slaves in Egypt than to deal with that? Grumbling is often right below the surface. Fears are often just percolating right below the facts. Fears and grumblings can quickly swallow up joy and purpose as God's people. The Lord must hate us, they say. The Lord brought us out here to die in the wilderness and we would rather be slaves in Egypt. The Lord must hate us. The Lord has brought us out here and had given us this land, and now we're going to be killed by the giants in the land. That's what they say. Did the Lord bring us out here to be killed by the Amorites? The land may be good, but the people, wow, they're too big. The giants, they're huge. The cities, they're fortified all the way to heaven. When you go along with God, when you go exploring as God's people, It can get scary. And when fears grow, exploring often stops. You know anything about that? From your own life? Called to trust? And then the fears grow and overwhelm the faith? We've seen this kind of push-pull between fear and faith so often. We could probably all talk about it. It's a story of God's people all through Scripture, called to go and then stumbling, called to trust God, but then the doubts take over, called to experience God's amazing provisions. It was provided every day for them while they were in the wilderness, and then they wondered, where was it going to be the next day? And that became the formative issue in their lives knowing freedom from slavery, but then as soon as things got tense, they wanted to go back to slavery, standing at the very promised land, right on the edge, even getting a positive report from the explorers. They become totally fearful about what's going to happen next. It can be what happens when we are sincere about exploring as God's people. Exploring God and God's intentions for our lives 
exploring what it means to be community in the middle of the city, shining God's light as far as we can go, exploring doubts, exploring questions. They also come with fears that can be really prevalent, exploring challenges. How do we keep doing it? Exploring serving God. How do we do it? Yet this is where God keeps calling us. Explore and go and be open. In the Daily Dig email that I get each day, I got this note this week. It's kind of cool to get a note from Frederick Buechner because that's what it was this week. Uh, The great writer and thinker and Presbyterian minister Buechner wrote this in the Daily Dig this week. Have you wept at anything during the past year? Has your heart beaten faster at the sight of young beauty? Have you thought seriously about the fact that someday you're going to die? More often than not, do you really listen when people are speaking to you instead of just waiting for your turn to speak? Is there anybody you know in whose place, if you had to suffer great pain, you would volunteer yourself? If your answer to all or most of these questions is no, the chances are you're already dead. Beekner knows what we all know. It's easy to let our exploring fall away. It's easy to fall into certain habits and certain ways of, of, of living that's so far from what God intends. It's easy to follow our fears and let them guide us. And then we have no more life. No more life. We have in some ways today a new beginning. It's rally day. It's rally day. It's a good day for all of us. We have an opportunity to reboot. We come together. We explore God. We explore community. We deepen our sense of commitments. What are our major commitments? And we seek to increase compassion from all of our hearts and all of our lives. And we're striving to move away from paralyzing fears that can stifle us, even kill us. We're seeking to live in the fullness of God, and we're seeking to live for God. That's what we're about here. We come to worship, we sing, we share life, we seek to serve together, we challenge each other to live more selflessly. All these things are what we're about, and we're trying to be more human in the world. In a world of chaos, in a world of inhumanity. We're trying to be more moral in an immoral world. We're trying to be helpful and hopeful in a world that seems increasingly intent on imploding on itself. This is what we seek to be about here, exploring. Exploring God, exploring the journey, growing in faith and fellowship, growing in compassion, growing in community, growing in loving, growing in serving. This is our calling. The poet Mary Oliver puts it well. When it's all over, I want to say, all my life, I was a bride married to amazement. 
I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. I don't want to end up simply having visited the world. Where's the river of God taking us? Are we open to exploring? Are we open to going with God? Are we open to aligning our lives with God's life, finding our purposes in the grander purposes following Jesus? Are we open to exploring? Are we open to asking questions? What does the Bible say? How does the Bible speak to our hearts and encourage us? How do we serve well in this city? How do we shine the light of God's grace? These are the core questions that guide us as God's people here. This is what we seek to be about. What would it look like? What would it look like to be as generous as God asks us? What would it look like to give our lives to God's work, to resist the assumptions of our culture which tell us what's mine is mine? What would it look like to see life held by God, held by God, your life, my life, all of life? And what would it look like to go forward trusting God, leaving behind our worries, leaving behind our fears, leaving behind our discouraging thoughts? What would it look like? What would it look like? Our second lesson today offers us another encouragement about exploring. And these words come from 1 John in chapter 2, just three verses. Listen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride and riches comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desire are passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. This is the word of the Lord. Another encouragement to explore. Those who do the will of God live forever. To live as people of faith. To live more connected, more compassionate, more committed to God's purposes. This is another encouragement to see life as held by God and to see what we're all doing always in the context of God's larger purposes. Today, uh, as you know, is the 15th anniversary of the horrible terror attacks on the World Trade Center and on the Pentagon and a nasty plane crash in Pennsylvania that was headed to another iconic site. This anniversary reminds us that we live in a dangerous and uncertain world. It's tempting to let the fears win. It's perhaps appealing to let the challenges seem bigger than the possibilities. It's tempting as our ancestors did so well to long for uh, another time, an earlier time that we knew better, even if it was about slavery in Egypt. It's tempting to be like that. But God keeps calling us forward to explore, to live by faith, to trust God, to claim the covenant of God's love, to be more compassionate, to be more committed, to be more about community. This is our way our calling. Where's the river of God taking us? Let's keep trusting God and staying in the current of God's love, 
knowing that as we become more compassionate and more committed and more about building community, friends, we're going to live forever. I read this week about the 11-foot pole. You heard of the 11-foot pole? We should all have one. Because an 11-foot pole would help us deal with all the issues and the people and the happenings that we say we're not going to touch with our 10-foot pole. (laughs) See, an 11-foot pole would keep us all reaching out and exploring and doing God's work and sharing love and building community and spreading compassion. An 11-foot pole would keep us living as God's people with more connections and more purpose following Jesus. Where is the river of God taking us? It's taking us to life everlasting. That's the promise. So let's don't just sit back and talk about it. Let's don't just analyze it and watch the flow. Let's jump in. Let's explore with heart and soul and mind and strength, and let's strive to love God and love God's people, working for the coming reign of Christ our Lord. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God, help our unbelief and move us toward more faith, more love, more devoted following of Jesus. Amen.